Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster Rebecca Adams and are not based on the advice of a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned, never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who have chosen to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Hello and welcome to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity's Midweek Ponder. In fact, this is our last Midweek Ponder for 2020. As far as the episodes go, it's the very and it's the last Midweek Ponder itself because as I mentioned in last week's um, episode of Midweek Ponder, it's changing in January. Um, to be Let's Ponder and will take place on Sunday. And I will play my promo, not really my promo, I guess my intro for the show a little bit later on in this episode. Um, but yes, this is our final one. And it's also part three of um, the story that we've been reading. Um, it was a, a whole long email that I had received from a gentleman named Brian and about lessons he had learned being a serial other man. And so we finished up in uh, last week's episode with what he had to say. And where this one is coming into play is, of course, knowing me, I had lots and lots of questions. So I asked him quite a few, and I'm going to kind of piece it together here. You'll hear my papers moving around in the back because I've kind of got things crazy and uh, all sorts of in different directions. I tried to be organized, but it doesn't always, you know, work that way. So I had a lot of questions. And um, so this is what I had asked him. How did you come across my show? And have you subscribed to my Patreon with the extra stories, men's takes on uh, the wife's affairs and their own infidelity? And also, do you ever worry you might want to cheat aside from the open or swinging life or your wife? I did also go on to say that, first of all, as you know, I don't judge. I've had many people come across the show and they feel that they are a bad person for the choices that they've made. I appreciate that you point out facts that really, I must say, I agree with. I haven't really heard from a man in this perspective unless you consider the midweek ponder where the guy said all those things a man wants. Always, these are just one person's insight on their own thoughts and experiences. I think your story is intriguing and will also intrigue my listeners. I try to keep the midweek ponder open for situations such as this that may be considered a taboo in a sense. And of course, I do have more questions always. STDs, how do you avoid and are you afraid to use condoms? Or what about the women on women? Or did you experience any homosexual acts or just the women in these swinger groups? Does mixing different people's fluids get troublesome? Reactions, spunk, <laughs> etc. Yeah, I know. I'm just going to say it. Uh, I know these are pretty gross in details, but I'm curious. 
I can understand the aging part. My husband is 57 and I'm 48. Things are not what they were 10 years ago when we first got together, but yes, the hormone thing, I can imagine it's hard for your wife. Have you, um, let's see here, have your children ever found out about this? I also understand the woman being just as curious and horny as men, but it's not, it's, but it's just not known as something acceptable like it has been with men. Same with infidelity. So that is why I'm bringing this out. It happens and women shouldn't be shamed. Men and women are equally guilty. One shouldn't be chastised more than the other, in my opinion. On my Patreon, one of the men shares their story. It was three parts. The first part was on the regular feed, but the other two were on Patreon. So only those subscribers heard the whole thing. But it reminds me in places of your story. They did become swingers and open relationships, but it began to fracture the marriage as they both cheated. So Brian says, I'll try to address your questions in order. STDs. It is, of course, a concern. We always use condoms for intercourse. For oral, not so much. We had a strict no-glove, no-love policy and never had a problem with it. Condom use is pretty common in the lifestyle, and even with the people who do not always use them, most will use them when asked to do so. There are some who do not use them, but we never had any issues with it. Women-on-women women contact is extremely common and almost assumed in this swinging lifestyle. A large percentage of swingers are in it for the female-female aspect as many couples do not, shall we say, cross-pollinate at all. The percentage of women in the lifestyle who are strictly heterosexual and shun all female contact is quite small. Conversely, male-male contact in the mainstream swinger community is actually more taboo and frowned upon than it is in general society. Male homosexuality is much more accepted in general society than the swinger community. Maybe it is some kind of machismo thing or something. Many clubs and parties expressly prohibit any kind of male-on-male -male contact or approaches with a man making a move on another man, and that will often result in ejection from the club or party. It does exist in the world, of course, and I have personally heard of some of the women that would like to have an experience with male bisexuality, but it is a taboo subject. As with all things with the internet and lifestyle matters, there are specialty groups and websites and such that do cater to that lifestyle. As far as body fluids, bathrooms, stuff like golden showers, etc. is also a taboo subject in the mainstream swinger community and it is very a specialty item for select specialized groups. But sexual fluids such as female squirting and cum shots, etc. are highly embraced and enjoyed. Female squirting in particular has almost been fetishized, that's a hard word to say, into a big deal and women who squirt are highly sought after and men and women that can make have bragging rights. And yes, I can make people squirt so I can brag there, ha ha ha. Cum shots are also embraced. It is common for women to swallow and enjoy facial cum shots as well as cum on their boobs and butts, etc. In group situations, it is not uncommon to see a woman looking a man's cum off of another woman. One time in particular, I was with a woman at a party, one-on-one -on -one in a bedroom, and we finished with me fucking her between the boobs and coming on her chest. And when my wife heard me come from the other room, she walked in and began licking my cum off her chest. It kind of blew my mind because she usually does not swallow. That is just another example of people doing things in a state of extreme arousal that they normally don't do routinely. 
No, the children do not know. The only people that know that we were swingers were other swingers and one single woman that had been a dear friend of mine since childhood that we had a threesome with. She had been in a polyamorous relationship with her husband and another man when they were married, and her youngest child is clearly the other man's, so she was pretty embracing of it and jumped at the chance to play with us when we put it out there. In general, I am very steadfast that sexuality is a personal and private matter and that no one really is entitled to know what goes on in other people's bedrooms. Even if I become divorced or widowed, I do not intend to discuss my swinging days with anyone else unless a future partner is also a swinger and wants to embrace that lifestyle. Otherwise, there's no need for me to tell anyone else. I only discuss it in anonymity of a relationship forum I am on and now with you. In reference to your last paragraph about the couple who opened their relationship and it fractured their marriage, that is also common. Swinging, open marriage, they are different, can work for couples who have a great sexual relationship, have a very high degree of mutual respect and compassion for each other, and have very good open communication and are committed to following the rules and the welfare of others' comfort zones. Swinging can be a great adjunct to those relationships and make their sex life even hotter. But many people get into trouble due to dissatisfaction and frustration and lackluster sex in the marriage. Those people will be torn apart very quickly. Swinging is like wind on a fire. It is an intensifier. If the fire is well-seated and burning strong, a breeze will make it burn hotter and more intense. If it is weak and flickering, it will quickly blow it out. Swinging is fun for people with strong relationships, great sex, and extraordinary communication. But it is death to the marriage for people with fundamental flaws and cracks in the foundation. I think what you are doing with your podcast is important dialogue that we as a society need to be having. I value my anonymity and privacy as an individual, but I think my story and experience can have value to others in various situations. I cannot tell it myself for various reasons, so you can be my voice. I actually encourage you to share that I don't tell my children or friends and family of our swinging background and my involvement with married women in my youth because I believe that a couple's sex life is their own business and part of the sanctity of marriage that is no one else's business. We have raised our children, 18 and 16, in an affectionate and sex-positive environment. We have given factual information of the benefits and positives of sexuality as well as the risks. We use proper names in terms of anatomy and physiology. A penis is a penis, a vagina is a vagina. Married couples embrace sexuality and strive to meet each other's sexual needs and desires and show love and affection. But what goes on behind a couple's bedroom doors is between that couple and only who else they may invite in. I do have one last story for the night. I doubt if it is relevant for your podcast and is a completely consensual scenario, but it does get into some of the deep, primal, instinctual aspects of non-monogamy. We always use condoms for intercourse with other couples, except for one couple that was a bit of a special circumstance. At the end of our swinging days, we had pretty much retired from the lifestyle and we were no longer on any websites or going to any clubs or parties and no longer meeting new couples, but had never come right out and said that we wouldn't do it anymore. Then kind of out of the blue, we were approached and propositioned by our best couple friends who were very vanilla and pretty religious and church going. It kind of blew us away, but the four of us sat down and discussed for some time and decided to go forward and play together. 
My wife and I decided that since we were no longer really in the lifestyle and we're probably no longer going to pursue any other couples, that we decided we wouldn't tell them we had been swingers in the past. They had never been with anyone else in 20 years of marriage. We got together and played a number of times. The other wife and I hit it off like porn stars and still have a crazy attraction. But the other husband always had performance issues. It's extremely common in this lifestyle, actually. And despite my wife's considerable skills, he had never orgasmed with her and was rarely able to get it up or penetrate her for more than a minute or two. Anyway, one night we were staying at their house for the weekend and once all of the kids were asleep, they sneaked into the guest room and the four of us started playing. The other wife drained me of every last drop I had and for some reason on this particular night, he was able to perform like a rock star and fucked my wife good and then came what must have been two weeks worth inside my wife. Afterwards, they went back to their room for the night, and my wife and I were still frisky, and we always loved what is known in the lifestyle as reclamation sex, which is the same principle as hysterical bonding and infidelity. It's a deep, primal, and instinctual process of reclaiming your mate after they have been with someone else. Anyway, I was able to rise to the occasion again, but really had the hypersensitive sensation to the head of my cock after having a very strong orgasm with the other wife. And when I entered my wife, she was still full of all his cum. I'll be honest, it did kind of freak me out and even kind of grossed me out a bit if I allowed myself to think about it. How I came across your podcast, I think I simply typed in female infidelity in a search, and you popped up, and I have been a steady listener for the past couple of weeks, and so many things ring a bell, and I have experienced many of those things from the other man's perspective. Now, in regards to the swinging, I wanted to add some additional things to my lessons learned list. As a side note, we are no longer active in the swinging lifestyle at all. Our last swinging experience was a few years ago. We were active about 10 years and very active for about a half a dozen to include trips to lifestyle conventions, multiple clubs and events across the country and hosting parties and events of our own as well as co-hosting lifestyle friends and helping them host their parties and events. We were very heavy into it for several years and was truly part of our lifestyle. But age and health issues and simply regular life all take their toll in time. I am now 56 years old and my wife will be 53 in a few weeks. Menopause has not been kind to her. She has had a variety of health issues, migraines, asthma, kidney stones with severe kidney infections, anxiety, etc., and is on a host of medications for those things and everything has taken a big toll on her libido and self-esteem. I myself have not been immune to the ravages of time either and had a minor heart attack a couple years ago, and while I have been fortunate to not experience any kind of ED or PE or performance issues yet, I can tell I'm not the man I was even a handful of years ago in terms of assertiveness and virility, etc. I am now shaved bald and my six-pack now has a couple of inches of padding that I just can't seem to get rid of despite a pretty healthy diet and exercise routine. That is the current background, but where I am going with this, for a time we were very active in the swinging lifestyle, and there were times that each of us could be having sex with anywhere from one, two, three, or even up to four or five different people a night at a good party. These were not Hollywood celebrity parties with supermodels and rock stars. These were normal, everyday people in a small Midwest community. 
Teachers, nurses, businessmen and women, police officers, lawyers, warehouse workers, department store clerks, you name it. Many were also church members and would party into the night on Saturday night and then got up early on Sunday to attend church services. You could work side by side with them for many years and never suspect a thing. No one in our circle of friends have ever suspected us of having anything but a traditional marriage. Except a few that we played with. There were a few of those. Anyway, the things I've mentioned in my other email also apply on a couple's scale. My wife and I had some FMF threesomes with married women while their partners were unaware. While it was kind of a dirty little secret even within the swinging community, it was not at all rare or uncommon. Many couples in the lifestyle have had married women join them without their husband's knowledge or consent. In some ways, it was even easier because many women do fantasize and are intrigued about being with another woman and being the center of attention with another couple. This occurs with married men as well, but since the topic is female infidelity, I would throw in that married women joining couples in threesomes is not at all a rare event. There are probably a significant number of those women that have not had one-on-one affairs with men alone and only step out of their marriage to be with couples. And I also have to add that I personally know some couples in the swinging lifestyle where the wife ended up having actually cheating affairs with other women. I know that seems a little counterintuitive or ironic, but there is actually about the same rate of infidelity in the swinging lifestyle as in the vanilla community. Swinging does not prevent cheating. I don't know if it occurs any more in that community than in general society, but I do know that it definitely occurs. Another lesson learned that I want to mention is due to what I have seen and what I have done and what I have learned over the years is that women are absolutely not one bit less sexual or less horny or less sexually motivated than men. I think a good argument can even be made that no man can match the common woman. Women's libidos and sexual responses and sexual practices may be more influenced by monthly hormonal cycles and fluctuations and definitely more impacted by negative societal messages and religious judgments and such, but at her core, a woman is no less sexual than a man. I think a big factor impacting women's sexuality is most men are not sexually attractive or desirable. I think the 20 to 80, 20 over 80 says that 20% of men will have sex with 80% of the women. It's a real thing. Many women marry or commit to a man that they are not sexually attracted to. I did that. My second husband. Um, They do it due to family and societal pressures to secure commitment and support and may utilize sexuality to secure that relationship but don't really have that much true sexual attraction to that particular man. Yep, Brian, you're right on that. That's exactly what happened in my second marriage. Absolutely. I also think women are much more prone to boredom and frustration and wanderlust in long-term relationships more than men. I don't know if it matters how good-looking or financially successful or even nice and kind that a man is. After years of marriage and kids, there is a wife who is bored and frustrated and fantasizing about the biker in the bar or the trainer at the gym or her boss at the firm. Throw in some neglect or lack of connection or some untreated ED or PE or simply lack of concern for her satisfaction in some sexy stud at work or the gym showing some romantic sexual attention, and there is a powder keg waiting for a spark. 
I'll stop here and give your eyes another rest, but please feel free to respond with any input of your own, regardless if you agree or disagree, and most definitely ask any questions you may have. I really can't discuss this with anyone, so I'm looking forward to some open and honest dialogue. So I got in touch with him um, a few weeks later and just had touched base. And this was all um, taking place back in August. Um, So it's been a while since we got this um, conversation going. Um, This is what he sent to me. Hello again. Hope you're having a good weekend. I did think of a couple of other things in reference to my lessons learned note. I was listening to your midweek ponder about friends with benefits the other day and I had to laugh and shake my head. Reply after reply was talking about not catching the feels or keeping the feelings out of it and other such gobbly gunk about not wanting feelings and trying to avoid feelings. That is all self-delusion and mental gymnastics. Newsflash here, sexual attraction, desire, arousal, and sexual gratification are feelings. Not only that, sexual stimulation, pleasure, and orgasm are connecting and generates warmth and closeness. People that think they will have a sexual interaction with someone who we can only presume they already had an underlying attraction and comfort with each other are either actual sociopaths, psychopaths, true narcissists, or they are doing deep mental deep knee bends and backflips to fool themselves into thinking that it'll all be okay and that there won't be any emotional investments being made and ultimately broken. People want to feel the burn. People want to feel the stimulation and feel the closeness and warmth and affection. They want to feel human with another human cuddled up to them. So what they don't want and what they are shielding themselves from when they draw the line at friends with benefits? Answer long-term commitment and presumed exclusivity exclusivity i can't even say that in other words people want the benefits of a relationship without the costs and sacrifice and not being held to some kind of standard of commitment and exclusivity this i believe is at the core of most ongoing adulterous relationships cheaters want to feel the burn and want to feel the warmth and desire and arousal and pleasure They want to feel the closeness and connection and the other benefits of a sexual relationship, but none of the expected costs and sacrifices, for example, commitment, exclusivity, shared domestic responsibility, child care, taking care of each other when sick, killing spiders, etc., etc. People that want to be with the other full-time pack their bags and go to the other person. I've personally seen that happen a couple of times in a matter of days. Most have been within weeks to a few months. If someone just hooks up for a night or three, they just wanted an ego stroke and wanted to be reminded that they are still alive and desirable. If someone is actually getting with an affair partner for six plus months or even years, but aren't filling out paperwork or packing bags or actually doing anything to leave, they just want to feel nice and warm feelings with someone else, but doesn't want to formalize the arrangement with commitment exclusivity. So bottom line here is that anyone who says they don't want to catch feelings or don't want any feelings are bullshitting you or deluding themselves. They are willing to risk catching AIDS, gonorrhea, herpes, but don't want to catch this mystery ailment of normal and natural human emotions that come part and parcel with sexuality? Yeah, right. I have some good swampland for sale for you. 
So there it is. That is the conclusion of part three and the story series from Brian about being the serial other man and lessons learned. Thank you, Brian, so much for sending that in. And I appreciate it. It's It's been good. I've learned a lot, actually. It was great to hear the side of it, of what a man says about, um, you know, things he's learned and seen being the other man, uh, swingers, relationships, and of course, teaching me um or at least being willing to answer my questions because I'm like a little kid going, ooh, but what about this? And what about that? And ooh, icky. And, and you know, I feel like a, I feel like a virgin compared to uh, a lot of that and what I just read <laughs> because I've only been, um, what do you call, I mean, I can't say, I've been monogamous to the point of, um, you know, I've been unfaithful in my in my second marriage, yes. So, um, but in those marriages, I never had anybody else come into our bedroom with us. Um, none of that kind of stuff. It's always just been man and woman, just two people together and that's it. Though, I guess I should backtrack a little bit. My second husband, I think I talked about it in my story. And if you haven't heard my own story, go back to episodes one and two. Uh, no, episodes two and three. Um, and when we did have um, get-togethers with our neighbors, it would get a little questionable. There was nudity and hanging out in the hot tub and touchy-feely stuff, but nothing um, extreme, go-all-the-way kind of a thing. Except my neighbor and I, we were, to the best of my knowledge, we were the only ones that were being ooh, totally inappropriate. And that did go on for several years. Um, and no one was going to pack a bag for that. No way. <laughs> Anyways, uh, before I uh, close out here, I am going to um, play my intro for the new Let's Ponder, and that'll be what you hear next time you hear a Ponder episode. So that is going to play now, and then I'll close out for the show. What does ponder actually mean? Well, according to the dictionary, it means think about something carefully, especially before making a decision or reaching a conclusion. Well, as you know, on the Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity podcast episodes, we allow women to share their stories in a non-judgmental way about why they stepped out of their relationships. But there are so many other interesting topics that we all need to learn from and not to judge right away. So let's talk about it now. Let's ponder. Thank you all again for tuning in to today's episode. And if you have a story you would like to share, if you're a woman who's been unfaithful to her husband, boyfriend, partner, um, and you want to share your story, just, you know, there's no judgment and you're totally anonymous. Um, if you're a man who has been stepped out on and you would like to share your story as well, that goes on Patreon of what you went through when you found out what happened with your wife or if you're suspecting. Or if you have a topic for Midweek Ponder, please reach out to me. Go to my website, which is rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. Yes, it's a very long one. From there, you can send me an email. You can listen to episodes. You can vote for me if you want to keep me up on the uh, Hot 50 
podcasts um, through the podcast magazine. I'm at 25 for the month of November, and I was 29 in October. Wouldn't it be great if I got a little higher for December? And only you can make it possible because it is by voters, by, oh, God, sounds like we're in the middle of the politics, vote. Um, but it is. It's it's by fan base. So if you guys log on to my website and click on vote, there you can vote for me. Um, you can uh, check out the merch store from the website. Um, you can sign up for Patreon, $3 a month. Uh, pledge plus tax um, and you get two um, bonus stories plus um, a month plus you get access to the uh, episodes two days early and you hear blooper reels and then when I do have advertisements on Patreon they don't have to listen to the advertisements um, so that's a bonus right there in itself um, and then I've got my blog and of course um, you can oh and you can get this is the new thing is story guides. And I've talked about it in the past that um, people, you know, shoot me a message or whatever if you want a story guide. Well, what I did was I have it up on my website now. So you can log on and you can see where it says story guides. And they are PDFs, so you can just download them. There's one for the women who have been unfaithful or the men who are unfaithful. And then there's another one who um, is it's based towards the men uh, for when their wives were unfaithful. And so you can download those, take a look at them. They're not Q&A, even though they're set up like question and answer. It's more of just a... Um, a question to yourself. You know, I'm trying to help get the story formed so that it flows well for the podcast. And it also could trigger some memories as well that'll help you build your story about what happened. Sometimes I will get um, things like, yeah, I was at work and I met this guy and, you know, we did this, this and this. And now my husband knows and I'm and it's all over. Well, that's not really, you know, it's not what we're looking for. We're trying to find out a little bit more about what happened. You know, when did you get married? When did you start noticing things weren't quite right in your relationship? Or when did you feel the need to start stepping out? What what happened there? You know, what is going on since then? What were the consequences? How are you feeling now? Do you have suggestions or advice for other women who are in your shoes? You know, those kinds of things. And so that's what the story guide is intended to help. And I have a lot of women who also say, I want to send a story, but I'm scared. And, you know, I'm not going to push anybody to do anything. Um, but I'm also hearing that it's very therapeutic for both sides of the party to write it out and that it, it just helps you kind of process it. Because in situations like this, you're not talking to anybody. There's nobody that you can really bounce these things off of. So they've all been in your own head and having to process and go through all those emotions by yourself. And that's why we're here, so that you can get it out. You can listen to other people get it out and and just share it and it just it's good advice and thoughts so anyways I'm always preaching that aren't I but you can go to my website you can um go all sorts of directions from there if you need a coffee mug you can visit the merch store you know things like that um if you want to buy <laughs> my masks they say no judgment across the mouth <laughs> which I think is kind of funny so people will look at that and go huh no judgment. It can mean a lot of things. 
you know, you're not judging people for anything. It's just you have it going across. There's kind of a, a hidden meaning for yourself and other people can interpret it however they feel they need to. So anyways, thanks again for tuning in. My voice is toast for the night. This is the second podcast I've recorded this evening and it's been a week from hell with the elections and all of that. Yes, I'm recording this um, earlier in November, but uh, hope you guys all have a great uh rest of the week and i look forward to pondering things with you guys in january of 2021 until then take care be good to one another and always remember for me no judgment goodbye